This podcast contains strong adult content, probably crude language, and general fuckery. So put those kids away. <laughs> Get them out of here. Good evening. A landmark ruling, the Supreme Court today legalized abortion. Huge increases in sexually transmitted diseases. Transgender rights is a fundamental human right. There is a right to marriage equality. I repeat, speaking to you from the steps of the Supreme Court, there is a right to marriage equality. Should sex education be taught to our kids? Rolling back contraceptive coverage for women. To make sure that women get the health care that they need. So we've got a lot of work in front of us. Thank you very much. Against all odds. Against all odds. We're here. We're back. Hello. Hi. You're listening to Frisky History. I'm Lacey. I am Robin. And uh, it's not going to be fun this week. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, you tricked me. So sorry. Did I? Okay, first of all, you definitely never said it was fun. (laughs) That's I just said I have an episode I want to do. Uh-huh. ASAP. Yeah. And that's all I said. Oh, man. And, and I that's did where maybe I was leave like, out oh, the park. sounds fun. Maybe. No. I don't know why I would have thought that. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, it's kind of... Are you new here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun. It is important. Okay. So we're doing... We're, we're, we're doing our best. But yeah. we are going to... This is not going to be fun. Okay. <laughs> so everybody get ready. I'm ready now. We're ready now. Yeah. Let's let's jump in. I did do this like pretty fast because it's kind of relevant right now. And so obviously this is in no way comprehensive, but there is so much information out there. Don't worry. I'll tell you some more places to find it. You can learn more as you should. The Indian Child Welfare Act is a 44-year-old federal statute that has helped thousands of Native children maintain ties to their families and their tribes by prioritizing the placement of Native children with relatives, other Native Americans, or a tribe. So Mm. that's what we're going to be talking about today. This is something I first learned about in 2016, and I know that specific year because I learned about it from a podcast episode, and I went back and looked at when that podcast episode came out. Mm-hmm. But there was a uh, Radio Lab, uh, like limited podcast. It was called More Perfect. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. so good about the Supreme yes. Court, about Supreme Court cases. Really enjoyed it. Um, and there's an episode called More Perfect presents adoptive couple v baby girl. Do you know? I'm not sure. Okay, so you might recognize it. It basically covers like what we'll talk about, some of what we'll talk about, but also it goes into more legal stuff. It goes into a particular case that is not the current case that we'll be talking about. It's a probably the case before it, since that was only that was only two years before the like most recent case. But um, it's got stuff that that I definitely won't have. It has interviews and shit. So mm-hmm. obviously like go listen to it if you want to. Uh, it's, I would say it's like kind of unbiased. I listened to most of mm-hmm. it again. Um, I'm not, I'm not unbiased. So like True. you'll have that also. <laughs> yeah. I don't, there is a difference there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to hear that, go listen to it. More perfect. Check it out. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm not entirely sure how many times lawsuits have been brought against the Indian Child Welfare Act. I know that this is not the first, and there have been, I think, many. Um, just based on, like, reading things, there were just, like, constant times in different states when people were trying to, like, file cases against this um, particular federal statute. So the one that we're going to talk about first is the latest one, and I think that it's gone farther in the like court systems and any lawsuit before it, I think that like there had never been a federal district court that had ruled this way. Um, mm-hmm. when it came to the Indian child Wel- welfare act, I'm sorry. I also have a hard time saying welfare. Sometimes my, it gets mm-hmm. like kind of stuck in my mouth. So <laughs> you're probably going to hear me start to say it and say it again a lot. Um, my bead. They also <laughs> do call it ICWA for like the, okay acronym so maybe i'll do that to save myself the embarrassment of being 31 and not being able to say say welfare um it's not a hard word but i struggle okay so first i want to talk about where we are right now Mm -hmm. um 
In 2018, a federal district court in Texas ruled that the Indian Child Welfare Act violates the U.S. Constitution. Okay. Uh, this was, oh, I already said that, but that was the um, unprecedented part that the federal court had never found ICWA unconstitutional before. Most things ruled in favor mm-hmm. um, up until this point. And the Supreme Court has consistently rejected these um, arguments and has not taken on these cases as well. But some legal stuff happened in between the federal district court ruling that it was, un- that it was unconstitutional and then... Um, it was like reverse and then put back and then reverse again. I didn't really understand mm-hmm. it. I read mm-hmm. it and was very confused. So some stuff happened. Yeah. And where we ended up is that in at the end of February of this year, the Supreme Court announced that it was going to consolidate four different lawsuits, um, including the one from Texas that we just talked about. Mm. And... Um, Basically, altogether, they've been brought on by seven individuals in three different states, and they're all against the 1978 Indian Child Welfare Act. Um, So the states are Texas, Louisiana, and Indiana. Okay. The people, I'm not going to name, their names are out there because it's public record, but like, Mm -hmm. I'm just not going to say their names. Um, But they're three couples, basically, three white couples Mm -hmm. who sought to adopt or foster Native American children and one of the uh, biological mother of a Native child who was adopted by one of those couples. Those Mm -hmm. are the seven people. So it's three couples and then one biological mother are the individuals in this case. Um, The lawsuit is known as Bracken or Bracken. I'm not sure. The Bernhardt. Um, mm-hmm. That's how it's referred to. We won't really get into this mostly because I I don't understand legal <laughs> stuff. I read several things and I was like I, I don't know yeah. <laughs> what any of this means. Fair. So um, these plaintiffs um, argue that the Indian Child Welfare Act is un- unconstitutional because, and this is a quote from somewhere. Um, because it racial, racially discriminates against non-Native Americans, violating the Constitution's Fifth Amendment guarantee of equal protection under the law, and that it unconstitutionally directs the actions of state agencies in adoption matters. The last part is them basically saying that it doesn't allow officials to abide by the traditional standard of doing what's best for the child. Mm. So they have to they have to follow a, a different process that they're claiming means that they're not thinking about the best interests of the child. They're thinking about the rules they have to follow because of ICWA. Mm -hmm. Um, The case will be heard in the Supreme court in October of this year. Mm -hmm. And a ruling is due by June of next year. Okay. So I think because this, um, the, the Supreme court announced this in February, but it's kind of become, a conversation very recently because of um, I think Roe v. Wade happening. Mm. People are just like, we're now seeing the way that this Supreme court as it is set now is going to be handling these cases. Um, And that is in a very like, I'm not going to, they're not going to protect our, our rights um, Mm. or people kind of way. So I think that's why after Roe v. Wade happened, people were like, there are really there are really big things at risk that have yeah. like even before when the Supreme Court was in favor of of ICWA and not interested in even taking cases that were going against it. Mm-hmm. Now it, there is a serious like a uh, probability that the Supreme Court is going to rule the wrong way. So yeah. that's why I think it's become a topic of conversation along with other things. We'll we'll talk about like why. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay. And why not? But, um, okay, so now that we know where we are today, um, we need to talk about how we got to the Indian Child Welfare Act and why it's really important. So first, I just want to say trigger warnings um, on this. I'm going to be talking about um, abuse and neglect when it comes to children. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into detail, but just know, like, I'm going to be talking about that. So trigger warnings, if that's a problem, maybe don't listen to this episode. Um, if you can handle it, it is important. So try um 
So, okay, now that we got that, now that you know, for many decades in the 19th and 20th century, uh, during the same era that the U.S. was stripping away tribal lands through war, broken treaties, and new policies, government agents were separating Native children from their um, families, their tribes, and their land. Um, And this started with some laws that got put into place. So... On March 3rd, 1819, the U.S. Congress enacted the Indian Civilization Act Fund, which essentially paid what is written is capable persons of good moral character. Um, I think this meant missionaries Mm. and church leaders, like religious people, Um, (laughs) and also religious white people, to be honest. Obviously, it was the 1800s. Um, Yeah. They were all white. Um, So it... It was paying these people to partner with the federal government to establish schools that um, were on what was then Indian territories to teach Native children what they called the arts of civilization, Mm. a.k.a. white Christian practices. Right. In 1824, the Bureau of Indian Affairs was created to oversee the fund and put programs out to, quote unquote, civilize um, the native people. Um, Yes. (laughs) And lastly, the last one is President Ulysses S. Grant created the peace policy in 1869. And that was, again, in quotes, it was an approach that privileged humane interactions with native peoples and allowed religious groups to run reservations across the American West. So basically stripping power away Mm -hmm. um, from indigenous people. Uh, and giving yeah. it to white people. The goal of this policy was also described as, um, and this is, again, their words, to remove corrupt Indian agents who supervise reservations and replace them with Christian missionaries who deem, who the president deemed uh, morally superior. Mm. Um, so these are all, like, have the same um, goals, you know? Yeah. It's, it's so yeah. They're just completely dehumanizing Yes, and basically cultural genocide, you know, is happening. They want to strip away whatever they can. They want to assimilate in -hmm. every way they can. Mm -hmm. The white way is the only way. Yeah. White Christian way is the only way. Right. Um, So along with these federal government policies, um, many different denominations of Christian churches were also pushing to adopt um, an Indian boarding school policy that had been used for the removal and reprogramming of American Indian and Alaska Native children um, to destroy Native cultures and communities. Mm. Uh, so the results of these kind of converging evils was that hundreds of thousands of native children were taken often forcibly, um, from their homes and from their families and from their communities. And they were placed in off reservation boarding schools that were hundreds of miles away. Mm -hmm. Um, they were being funded by the government and they were usually run by churches. Right. And while at the schools, these children, uh, sometimes they were as young as five years old, were punished for speaking their native language. Um, They weren't allowed to do anything that in any way could have been seen as a traditional or a cultural practice. Um, They were stripped of their traditional clothing, of their hair, of any personal belongings, and even like behaviors that were considered part of their native culture. Um, and the, the, like, the phrase that everyone used at this time of, so what the, like, goal was, what they were trying to do this, um, for was to kill the Indian, save the man. So it was like, they were essentially saying that, like, you, we need you to become a civilized member. And the only way to do that is to ensure that you are are stripped of everything mm-hmm. that we don't understand or agree yeah. with. Um, and we will teach you how to be like a white person, yeah. essentially. Um, Were these, um, I don't know, this might be a stupid question, mm-hmm. but it's just that we, I feel like we lack so much knowledge on this specific history because it's not something that's taught to us. Not accurately. Yeah, yeah, right. uh, yeah exactly. So is it, these are the ones... Were there, I'm I'm assuming there were also these schools in the U.S. Uh, because I know that that was a big thing 
in Canada. Canada. Yeah, yeah, where they found all of the graves. Yeah. This is yeah, this is essentially yeah. the same thing. And I I don't remember if this is accurate, but I think they've found graves here as well. Like oh yeah. In, mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, okay. Just clarifying that it also happened here. Yes. No, this but, is yeah, this is sense. all the US. We we I think we just Canada was also okay. doing it. Um right, right. and probably I'm, I'm not sure who did it first, but I think maybe Canada mm. had the practice of doing it and the US was like we love the look of that. Kind of like the way that like Nazis were inspired by the US. You remember yeah. we talked about that. So, it's kind of the same. Like we oh, were inspired by yeah. Canada um and we in, <laughs> you know taught the Nazis how to do what they were doing. Um so it's really cool uh, America. <laughs> yeah, when you you learn and share with one another. Yeah, oh, yeah, really just spreading it. A... No gatekeeping oh. when it comes to <laughs> being absolutely awful. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that there. I'm I'm not entirely sure, but I think Canada might have done it slightly before, and maybe we took some of those practices and put them into place here. Mm-hmm. But everything that we're talking about is happening in the U.S. It's our government, the U.S. government, our president, Ulysses, Ulysses Grant, mm-hmm. our our you know, government agencies, we are t- completely and totally behind all of this. Yeah. Setting yep. it up, doing it. Yeah. Okay. Nope. Yes. Um, okay. So the education, quote unquote, very right. hard quotes, these mm-hmm. boarding schools were providing um, was also helping to build a system um, that's foundation would be based on social class. So mm-hmm. they were training native children and young people for low paying jobs that would serve white colonizers, you know, okay. so right. hard labor and whatever you can do in service to us where we won't pay you as much and we will continue to like keep you in poverty. Yeah. But also live off of your hard work. Um, right. Very similar to literally what we do today. So fun stuff with that. Um, It is, yeah, just pretty wild to hear just the incredible parallels whenever we tell stories like these. Oh, yeah. Just with modern Yeah, and then knowing that this is something that that is at risk. It's like history repeating itself if we keep, you know. Um, It doesn't just go away. No, couldn't possibly. Sorry. Whoa. Um, so the, the white colonizers in this scenario, this scenario obviously saw indigenous people as lower class and Mm -hmm. thought that they should learn trades that benefited the white majority. Right. Um, and as you would expect, these God worshiping pieces of shit (laughs) were subjecting these native children to cultural and spiritual abuse but also they were being beaten they were being starved they were being Mm. physically and sexually abused i mean they were not hiding even the fact that they obviously don't they didn't they they treated indigenous people in general including their children as lesser than humans like you would treat a white person you know it's just like they i i don't think anyone was trying to pretend like any of this wasn't happening. And it was totally known. Like, everybody knew about it. That, mm. that this is how these were being run. That this is how people were being treated. And even the, like, treatments, quote-unquote, that they were using to do things like punish them for using their native language or having doing anything that was in line with their traditions mm-hmm. um, or culture, that today would constitute as torture. Yeah. Um, so it's like not the the pure structure of it was based on torturing children mm-hmm. um, out of their cultures. Yeah. Um, the abuse, deprivation, and death that resulted was and still is today well documented. Like I said, so um, it was not a secret that this was happening. Yet they those those boarding schools became a blueprint for forcibly assimilating native. Um, people into white America. Mm-hmm. And the practice continued for over 100 years. Um, according to the U.S. Department of the Interior, between 1819 and 1969, which is not that long ago, like our parents yeah. were all alive, yep. um, the U.S. ran at least, or ran or at least funded 408 boarding schools across the country. 
Wow. Yes. And the same report, um, which came out this year, Mm -hmm. found that more than 500 deaths of uh, Native children are accounted for, and they expect that number will rise as they continue to investigate this. Okay. But as of a report from 2022, they have so far found that at least 500 Native children died in these boarding schools. Okay. Um, the Carlisle Indian Industrial School was the most well-known school of that era, and it's used a lot as an example in articles that talk about this, um, probably because it was the worst one. Mm-hmm. Um, there alone, they found 180 graves of children in just Jesus. one school. And there yeah. were 400 and, what did I say, six, 408. Yeah. 180 deaths in just one school. And that's just the ones they, they found are the ones that actually were buried, given burials at all. Yeah. And so it's just like that, even that number is probably low. Right. right. Um, so we'll never know the extent of the damage that was done or even the number of children that were taken from their homes. Mm-hmm. The most recent numbers that I could find are that by 1900, there were 20,000 children in Indian boarding schools across the country. Um, By 1925, 25 years later, Mm -hmm. there were three times as many. Jesus. And then by um, by 1926, almost 83% of Native school-age children were attending a boarding school. So there's like in... um, that more perfect episode they talk about um there's like a lawyer who who was a large part of um doing the the research and the um audits and helping with the case that led to ICWA. um he talks about going to um tribes in like states and literally there being no children there like all of the children are gone an entire like tribe an entire community of people and not a single child was there because they had all been taken away from their families um so that that's basically what's happening 83 percent that's so many kids um like how yeah it's just impossible to build a community they're they're making it impossible for absolutely them to they, thrive in any way in any way and there is no way to keep things uh, there is no way for you know if that child is taken and they're put into just learning what white people deem as important and mm-hmm. right and the whitewashed everything like that is the death of the culture that is the death of tradition mm-hmm. because there's no one to pass it on to. Exactly. They're not going to know any of the things about their history, about their, their tribes, about their people, about their land. I mean, that's just, it's completely wiping it out. Um, so, so yeah, so most of those children, many of those children um, never made it back home and what exactly happened to them has yet to be accounted for by the U S government. I mean, of course, <laughs> right we'll yep. we'll we'll talk about it later but like this is the early 1900s of course they're not keeping track of those kids we yeah. don't keep track of kids now um yeah. we'll talk about that but by the 1930s the government shut down many of the boarding schools but they it still went on for another 39 years like there were still some in practice and indigenous activists fought against the boarding schools. Um, and the U S began to phase them out because of their work. Um, like, and can, can you imagine like having to also just stand up for something while your child has just been stolen from you? I mean, like just gone and there is nothing that you can do about it. Yeah. Um, and you don't even know where they are. Like probably I'm assuming Mm -hmm. that they weren't keeping the families well informed. Like you probably have no idea where your kid is ever like at all. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, they were, you know, they were fighting for their, their communities for indigenous people everywhere to stop these boarding schools. And, the U.S. was like, okay, we phased them out. Mm-hmm. And then immediately they replaced the boarding schools with a new way of forcibly ripping Native children from their families and assimilating them. And that became the child welf- welfare system. Okay. It's like, I mean, in- yeah. almost immediate. I mean, it, and yeah. it, we, it, nothing about that is surprising. It's truly mm-hmm. everything we've done, like, Mm-hmm. Every community of color has gone through this. I mean, we yeah. like 
it's all we do is we just find a way to rebrand what we're doing yeah. and say that we fix the problem that you were complaining about, even though children are now just being taken for another reason and do it. And it's all working the same though. So yeah. in 1958, the Bureau of Indian Affairs created the Indian Adoption Project. And this is apparently, according to um, articles, like, I think this is something that, like, our whitewashed history is kind of trying to bury. Like, we try to, like, mm. not talk about it very much or, like, keep it hidden. Um, it's obviously, it's out there if you look for it. But, like, it's just not talked about ever. Yeah. Um, so the Indian Adoption Project was created to promote the adoption of native children from newborns up to 11 years old um, and intentionally place them with white adoptive families. Wow. Which you know are probably Christian. Mm-hmm. It was probably part of the adoption process, I would assume. They <laughs> there make sure yeah. that they're Christian families. So we went from just gathering them into one place to now we're just putting into them home by home, but like same deal. Totally. Um, this was overseen by the child welfare league of America in their words. This is from their about page, a coalition of hundreds of private and public agencies that since 1920 has worked to serve children and families who are vulnerable. This is an organization that is still around today. Wow. They were a part of, just stealing native children and putting wow. them into white homes to assimilate them. And they are just still here as a nonprofit doing good. According to their helping. website. Yeah. Helping kids in need, helping vulnerable kids in need by stealing them from their families. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So now child welfare workers are the ones who are coming in, forcibly removing children from their families, sometimes putting family members who refused in jail. So the guy that I talked about that that did all the research and was lawyer, he started on this case because um, a uh, tribe uh, came to him for help in this suit because a uh, like child was taken and the grandmother, who was the uh, caretaker of that child, was put in jail for refusing to give away her child um, to child welfare workers and she was put in jail and you know the child was taken and uh placed for adoption Mm. um so that's that's how he became part of this so like people obviously are uh, like indigenous families are fighting to not have their children taken but the system is built against them yeah so children are being forcibly removed those people who are refusing are being put in jail or you know they're just losing that fight anyways Mm -hmm. Um, and they're being, they're taking these kids and they're placing them in white homes. And sometimes that's happening also in a totally different state. Mm -hmm. So again, your kid's just being taken far away from you. Um, sometimes the reason that was given for this removal was moral. Sometimes it was religious. Other times it was concerns of the child's welfare. Uh, and sometimes they didn't even bother to lie about the rationality. (sighs) They just, they just gave no rationale for, they just did it. Yeah. They just took it. They took can. the kid. Yeah. That's it. It took the, the, child. the child. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just fucked up. It, I mean, well, uh, I'll take. But no, it's just uh, stripping this child entirely of their identity and mm-hmm. the fact that it's like they don't, these people don't need a reason and they know that they can just do this. They can, yeah. They have no all one's the power. Come after them. Like, the government, the federal government is fully backing them and employing them and ensuring that this happens i did not know that that organization was still around but also i'm like of course they're still around and also i'm yeah just yeah i think i'm just like super thinking no more nonprofits. i don't i know i mean now i'm just kind of like i don't know if i want to help any more nonprofits. i don't know if i trust them i think community-based work is maybe the only sure thing anymore because if you go onto that website you're gonna see nothing but them talking about how great they are and how much work they do in in helping children yeah but like this is what they did Mm mm-hmm yeah. And and like I'm sorry, but that's the end of that conversation for you as an organization. You're done. Yeah. You're done now. Stop it. Yeah. There's no How coming back from that. Still around. How? I don't know. Yeah. I, I so I think I'm just I'm going to say no more nonprofits. I, I don't know, know who to trust at this anymore. Point, I'm just 
Venmoing people. <laughs> yeah. Who needs money? Know. Just tell me directly because I don't know who to trust anymore. And I, yeah. yeah, I just feel like even when we're told that this is how you help, it's not actually how you help. And we're just feeding into the system that we hate <laughs> and helping it thrive. Yeah. And no one's getting help. And it's just really yeah. like, I just hate it all. Um, okay. Yeah, so, scary. do your research. Yeah. <laughs> And, but also do your research more than their website because as yeah. we learned oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. from them, they're not going to tell you that they yeah. were a part of something awful. Um, oh, God. Okay, so research that was done in the late 60s found that between 25 and 35% of all American Indian children had been placed in adoptive homes, foster homes, or institutions. So the 1960s, almost the 1970s, that Jesus is not Christ. long ago. Yeah. 25 to 35% of all of the indigenous children in this country were being taken from their families. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm not even going into the, the like, uh, system, systemic and structural issues that we have that force these people into poverty, which probably is why their childrens are then taken from them. And it's like, we put you in poverty and now we're taking your child. But so I'm not even I'm not even going into that. I'm just saying that, like. This is this is all part of it's all part of our terrible government's plan and it's all a systemic yeah. structural issue. This is not a like every this is not a individual what was this family going through at the time? Like it's all systemic. Right. Um, it is systemic and the system is working exactly as it was intended to work. Yeah, absolutely. So we need a new one. <laughs> yeah, you can't fix this one. Um, absolutely not. Okay, ninety percent of the children that were placed in um, adoption or foster homes or institutions were being raised by non-native families. Mm-hmm. Um, so almost all of them, essentially. Yeah. And yeah. many of those children also would never see their families again. Wow. Uh, and that, uh, again, I'm just saying another thing that I'm not even talking about. So, like, I just want to be clear about how much this is only a very small portion of it, is that we're, we're not even going to touch forced sterilization, which we talked mm-hmm. about in... Mm-hmm. Um, an episode not that long ago. So it's like, that's, that's also happening. So it's like, we are just doing what we can to diminish the population and also assimilate, assimilate, assimilate white, 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 white only. Um, uh, Okay, so, uh, and it's because of people like those that did that audit, the the guy that I was talking about, the tribes, um, the indigenous people, activists, it's because of those people who were fighting against the government sanction removal of children from their families um, that Congress passed the Indian Child Welfare Act in 1978. Um, Tribes and Native American advocacy groups fought for this law to help preserve their culture and families. Um, So I'm going to talk about like what, now that we know why, it exists. I'll, um, I'm going to talk about like what it says and what it is and what it does mm-hmm. uh, to my best ability. Obviously, there are <laughs> so many websites where you can really read in detail. You can go to the Congress website and read the bill. I don't know how to understand that. So <laughs> I just took the parts that I did get. And I think it makes sense. So, okay. <laughs> um, so ICWA sets federal standards for removing indigenous children from their families and placing them in Um, placing them for foster care or adoption, including that it be prioritized that member that members of the child's extended family, other tribe members and other native families um, are prioritized in the placement or adoption of indigenous children. So it's just saying first prioritize picks of like who we will place this child with are going to be, their extended family members, other people in their tribes, or just mm. an indigenous family in general. Okay. Um, and uh, it puts the power of that system, that decision, in the hands of tribal governments, which is also important. Yeah. Um, so they make the decisions as sovereign entities, and they don't have to... Uh, there is no overlapping or conflicting jurisdictions, which mm-hmm. is also something we talked about in the Murdered Missing Women's episode about how those lines mess shit up 
and yeah. nobody get nothing gets done because exactly. there's so much conflicting jurisdictions happening. Right. Um, so so ICWA protects the tribal sovereignty. It, it allows them to be in charge of these welfare cases, mm. um, and explicitly, um, trial tribal courts, not state governments, have the authority to place children in adoptive or foster homes. Okay. So in doing so, it's protecting the child's um, best interests. Right. Uh, it's upholding family integrity and stability, and it's keeping Native children connected with their community and their culture. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also protecting tribal nations and their rights to be involved in the welfare of their children and their citizens overall. So it's an important, um, like, it's an important bill for protecting children, but it, it is also very important to protecting uh, the rights of tribal nations in general mm-hmm. um, and their their sovereignty overall. So the child uh, the Indian Child Welfare Act has helped tens of thousands of children and families in the child welfare system. And it basically puts this structure into place, this process that requires caseworkers to make several considerations um, when handling an ICWA case. Um, so if a native child is involved at all in that, that like more perfect episode, the case that it looks at, there were like some people who were making a big blah about mm-hmm. the fact that like the mother of the child was, I think, Hispanic. Uh-huh. Um, and the father was mostly white, but he was like 2% indigenous, mm-hmm. maybe Cherokee, but I, that could just be me misremembering it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, oh, 2% only? But it's like, yeah. th- they don't care what percentage you are. Yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't change the fact that he wasn't an indigenous person. And that child then, even if she is only 1%, is also an indigenous person. So yeah. Um, so these are the, like, st- the structure, the process that it puts into consideration, whatever, that it puts into place. So it um, will ensure that there is a um, active effort being provided to the family mm-hmm. of the child, um, that it will identify a placement that fits under the ICWA preferences and provisions. So the family, extended family, tr- tribe, other uh, native person. Um, it will notify the child's tribe and the child's parents of the child custody proceedings. So it will ensure that the family is well-educated, totally understands what's going on, understands mm-hmm. their rights, understands what's happening, what's going to happen next. Like it just protects them and knowing the information and make sure the tribe also knows. Um, And it will work actively to involve the child's tribe and the child's parents in the proceedings. I mean, that's literally how all of our legal systems should work. It doesn't. So it's, it's really protecting people just from the ability to understand what's going on because I was trying to read about this and I was so confused. I didn't know what most of the words meant. I did not understand it. And if you were at risk of losing your child and you're in that situation where you don't even know what's going on and you have no idea how to stop it or fight it or what to do or what's right and what's wrong. Mm -hmm. This is just actually like protecting them by just giving them information, making sure they understand and they know what the options are. Yeah. Um, And it's because of these added protections that ICWA has actually been labeled the gold standard of child welfare policies by experts and top child advocacy organizations in general not native okay child agencies not not native experts everyone everyone in the child welfare field agrees that ICWA is the gold standard for bill it does everything to protect well not everything i mean i'm sure it still has some like nothing's perfect there are still problems there are still ways it could be better but it is doing the most Mm -hmm. out of anything to protect families to do what's right for the child um and to do it in the right way so like no one disagrees on this in 2013 18 of the the nation's most prominent child welfare organizations came forward in court in support of ICWA. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So when you hear that, like, three states and three white couples are challenging this <laughs> um, 
act because they aren't getting what they want. The the yeah. couples, especially the states, will talk about what other motives maybe they could have. But mm-hmm. these white couples are so I want this child, I deserve it, I'm a good person, I should have it. That they're ignoring the fact that this act literally is protecting people and is considered the best way to handle this. Mm-hmm. And that they have just no they don't give a shit about that they, they have don't. no knowledge of that they don't care it's just privilege at it's like yes. most obvious yes you know that yeah. they're they're trying to destroy something simply because they're they think they have a right to a child that is not biologically yeah. theirs yes and i even read that the the like um couple who started the like bracken or whatever the name in the the the, the, the like name that is what this case is called. Yeah. That they actually ended up being able to adopt the child. So like, wow, they, and they were like fight. And I didn't put this in here, so I could uh, be misremembering, but like they're fighting it because the, the young boy that they have now adopted has a sister that they want to adopt. And that child is under the care of, I think like an aunt or something, a grand aunt maybe or something. And they're, they're the family member does not want to not have the, the uh, young girl. So, but they want her, they just want her. And they're out here saying shit. Like we have, we are wealthy. We have so much space. She's living in this small house. Like as she grows, what if she wants space and we have all this room and like, yeah, we have a pool, but like, we're like, it's just, it's truly like they think the fact that they have more money Mm -hmm. means that they are more deserving and that they should be allowed to take a child from her literal family. Yeah. And just have her as if, She's not a fucking human being. Yeah. And, like, kids do not fucking care about your money. They care about their family. Yep. So it's like, when you hear those people talk about it from their opinion, it's just like, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm spitting a little because I'm very... I know. Works out. But when you hear those people talk about why they're doing this and they talk about it like oh it just seemed to us like the reason that we had to even fight to adopt this boy is because our skin was the wrong color and it's like that's how much you don't understand that this is not about the color of your skin like i I, okay white people we don't have culture so maybe it's kind of hard for you to wrap your fucking mind around how important (laughs) that can be yeah to other people who actually have culture Mm -hmm. Like, they don't even understand the gravity of the situation in any way, shape, or form. They think, I'm white, and that's not fair. And that's why you don't want to let me adopt this boy, even though we're good people. And and we we have plenty of money to take care of them and give them a good home. And it's like, you don't even fucking get it. And you are putting this act at risk that is protecting so many families and so many children and doing Mm -hmm. the most in our whole system to protect people and you don't even give a shit no all you want is you want it your way because you're Mm -hmm. white and you think you fucking deserve it like it is so infuriating to read them talk about like in their own words it's like do you not fucking hear yourself they don't it's like not at all they don't see anything beyond themselves yeah they're said all of this to reporters this is all just in articles this is what they're putting out there is their point of view and it's like you don't even fucking hear yourself right now no they fucking don't and the the thing is, too, they fucking won, mm-hmm. and they got the kid. So what the fuck does that say, yeah. like, about our system? So it's yeah the the fact that they stepped up and challenged this just to be like... Yeah. <sighs> and now it's going to the Supreme Court, and... Um, okay, so... Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. I'm just not hopeful no there's it's really hard to have that have have what you speak of <laughs> um okay so yeah okay so Iqua overall it it kind of starts to um it makes an effort to like right the ship of like the system that we've built that specifically abuses native children mm-hmm. and it also um takes into account like the unique political status and cultural considerations of uh indigenous people of the child of the family of the community of the tribe and none of that makes it uh, unconstitutional so Mm -hmm. you know obviously they're saying like it was unconstitutional because it's automatically favoring a certain um what they look at as like a certain like race 
or ethnicity. Okay. Um, but that's not, that's not what yeah. it's doing. Um, and also you don't understand what, you don't know what you're talking about. So shut yeah. up. Um, <laughs> so in the words of the Native American Rights Fund, so I took this directly from one of their legal documents because I, it's starts to get into like, this is what they submitted to the court. So I didn't want to mm. mess it up. Um, so the U S constitution specifically gives Congress the power to legislate for the benefit of native people and tribal nations. The Indian child welfare act, falls within that constitutional authority because it applies only to children who are either citizens of a federally recognized tribe or who are both eligible for citizenship and the biological child of a tribal citizen parent. In addition, Congress has enacted laws concerning Native children from the earliest days of the United States government. The Indian Child Welfare Act provides a product. A, pr- a productive framework for states and tribal nations to partner in protecting the health and well-being of native children. The Indian Child Welfare Act ensures that native children and families receive the services they deserve. So they're uh, essentially saying you're we're not giving we're not making some sort of special treatment. We're protecting people from a system that was designed to hurt them. Yeah. So like that is not the same thing. It's not like we're saying you're not special enough. <sighs> People need to be protected, uh, especially when a system's fucking built against them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is a direly important piece of legislation that needs to be protected. Uh, before the na- the before the Indian Child Wel- Welfare Act, as many as one out of every three Native children were removed from their homes. Um, and while the horrific acts that led to the Indian Child Welfare Act happened in the 1800s and the 1900s, again, though, some of those not that long ago, the 1970s mm-hmm. was not that long ago, mm-hmm. but sure, <laughs> Be, just because that happened, the U.S. has never stopped this practice. Right. We are still taking children from their families. We're still not allowing, we're not only not, oh, sorry, we're not only allowing, but we're actively ensuring mm-hmm. that children are neglected, abused, and lost in a system where they will probably never see their families again. We're just doing it at the southern borders. Yes. With cages. Just, yep. That was. We're yep. literally still These doing this right parallels. now. Yeah. It's happening right now. We're just losing now. children. Yeah. They will never see their families again. Their families have no idea where they are. So mm-hmm. you can you can look at the history and and think to yourself if you want that that was a different time. But no, it's fucking not because we literally are doing it. Mm-hmm. We're just doing it at our southern borders. Yeah, and ICE is a yeah. federally funded government agency. I think maybe maybe not government, but we're definitely giving money for it. They're <laughs> we are doing it. Yeah. And so anyways, um, that's all I was going to say. It's just that like you can you can not understand why ICWA needs to be around now if those things aren't in existence, but they are. So mm-hmm. why would if ICWA's not there to protect them, why, why would they not happen to indigenous communities next? Um, OK, so yeah, um, even with ICWA. According to the National Indian Child Welfare Association, out-of-home placement still occurs more frequently for Native children than it does for the general population, even with ICWA. Um, Recent research on uh, systemic biases in the child welfare system showed that Native families are still four times more likely to have their their children removed and placed in foster care than their white counterparts. Wow. And that's nationally. That's the, like, number nationally. In specific places, it's worse. Um, mm. So in 2016, the ACLU and two South Dakota tribes challenged the state's lack of compliance with ICWA, and they found statistics to show that Native children in South Dakota were 11 times more likely to end wow. up in foster care than white kids. Jesus. So yeah. ICWA is not perfect. ICWA did not fix everything yeah. even, but like it is there doing something, and we can't lose that. If anything, right. it needs to go further, obviously, because right. the system is still built against them and it can only do so much mm-hmm. um, when the problems are so systemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is still an issue outside of the fact that our nation is built for white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Um, most likely because there's not a system in place to oversee uh, equal implementation at a federal level. So no one's there to ensure that states are complying with ICWA and therefore, they don't have to. Or, well, you know, they do. They're supposed to, but they don't. Mm-hmm. You know, without the oversight, they'll, they most likely aren't going to. And that is evident by the fact that Native children are placed in foster care uh, so at such a higher rate than white mm-hmm. people. So, like, clearly, it's not being complied with because there is not proper oversight to ensure that it is. 
Um, so it's it's really a serious cause for concern that this is going to be a case um, in the Supreme Court. And and I and I know that Roe v. Wade is a big deal, guys, and that's really where all the attention is going, especially mm-hmm. from us white ladies. Mm-hmm. Listen up, girls. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but Native people are seeing that, like they are yeah. seeing that this attention is not being shared with this case. Right. They are seeing that an issue that doesn't put white people at the center of it is yep. not getting the outrage. Exactly. That Roe v. Wade is getting. And they are saying that Native voices are the only voices speaking out about this. Yeah. Um, So we need to listen to them. We need to support them. And now that we all know this, Mm -hmm. we need to educate other non-Native people about it. Like, we need to tell them. And then we need to tell them to go listen to the people they need to go listen to. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Bring that same energy to this cause. It's so... And I... Like, I don't... I obviously, it matters a lot to me, Roe v. Wade. But, like, there are options. People are working hard to provide options. There are things that are becoming available. There are things that we are trying to do to protect people. There's a lot of money going into abortion funds. Mm -hmm. Those people do need protection. But there will be no options for Native families when Mm -hmm. their childs are taken from them. There will be no get an abortion pill in the mail when their children is being stolen um, and lost in the system and they have no idea what to do about it. Like there is no other option. There is nothing that can be s- helpful in that situation. So like it just, yeah. we, <laughs> you know, we just need to like, um, uh, stop being awful. Yeah. As white people, I think yes. mostly. Um, yeah. So, uh, I would love for everyone to go get better information, get more and better information on this. Um, mm-hmm. from indigenous people, there is a documentary. It's called Dawn Land, D-A-W-N Land. Um, okay. you can go watch it. It's from PBS. There is a podcast. It's called This Land. And their second season, I think, is completely focused on this. And, like, I haven't heard it because I just found out about it yesterday. So it's on my, like, to listen to. But I really think that that one is going to be, like, really really informative because i just Mm -hmm. from listening to the trailer it sounds like they're going to look at this from like the more perfect episode was 40 minutes you know it looked at a case it looked at some legal stuff it looked at a bit of the history but i think like that season is going to look at things on such a grand scale of like what does it even mean um when you start to you know dismantle cases that are protecting indigenous people in general it's just i think Mm -hmm. it's i just really i i'm excited to listen to it i I think it's gonna be really good um and I, I would also say in that, that uh, realm, consider widening your view on this and thinking about like what other capitalist and white supremacy motives could be here. Because mm-hmm. if you overturn um, this act, if, you, if it's found unconstitutional, this will go beyond child welfare. It will yes. undermine tribal sovereignty in the U.S. Um, there will be 573 federally recognized tribes that will be left more vulnerable for legal challenges in, in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something I, I just read in one place. So like, I don't know, I don't know, but it's kind of convincing. Um, so the law firm that is, is currently trying to overturn ICWA, um, that is helping the states and, and the couples, uh, they have fought tribal nations in other cases to further big, big oil companies. And they're doing this case pro bono. Okay. And so Texas... Jesus Christ. So Texas, what's going like Texas is behind this and they're they they're lawyers pro bono. This doesn't wow. feel like helping a white family who already has the adoption of their kid. This doesn't quite feel like it's just about that. No. Um so you have to th- I mean we can't even protect uh native land now. Yeah. <laughs> from from oil. Yeah. So it's like you know like this this doesn't this isn't just doing what it seems like it might be doing on the surface. Like, I think this is really going to, and I, I have zero hope in the Supreme court of not doing yeah. exactly what we expect them to do. So, yeah. Okay. So, so do learn, listen, support, talk, stop, please, please talk yeah. about it. Please tell people who, please tell your non-native friends about it. Um, and you can donate and you can support the native American rights fund, the association on American Indian affairs and the national Indian child welfare association. Uh, the native American rights fund is, um, and also maybe the association on American Indian affairs. I know for sure that NARF is, um, 
they're they're working on the case. So they are right. working to protect Iqua. They are going to be fighting it in the Supreme Court. They will be in the fucking courtroom. So like they could use anything they they anything they ask for. Just yeah. try to give it to them if you can. Um you can also support there's this other um policy thing happening. So it's it's called the Truth and Healing Commission on Indian Boarding Schools school policies. Mm. So it's US Act HR 5444 444 Um <laughs> in it's in the US House of Representatives uh S.2907. I don't know in the US Senate. I don't know what that any of that means, but they're sure. the numbers of the policies. <laughs> so listen, it's really easy, okay? Mm-hmm. You text P C G Y N N nope Sorry. No. Someone who has so dyslexia easy. should not <laughs> should not be saying things out loud. That's really where I lose stuff. Okay. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to open your text message. You're going to type this number in. 50409. Okay? Is that in your text message? Okay, great. So now you're going to, in that text, you're going to, all caps, type P-C-G-Y-Y-N- Okay, and that's going to um, start this, like, automated text thread where you can basically, um, it's going to do all the work for you. I'll just give them some of your information. And they will, they're going to send a, um, send letters to your representatives from your state Mm. in support of this um, Truth and Healing Commission on Indian Boarding School Policies. And uh, this is really important, especially if uh, ICWA is found unconstitutional, this will be really needed. Um, So that, that text that, whatever I said (laughs) just now, do it, donate to fucking, just do something, do something, please. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all I got, but just do something, please people. Yeah. You bring up a great point about how um, there are as, you know, devastating as the overturning of Roe v. Wade is, there are options and there are plenty plenty of people who are open to help people who are in you know who are in compromised situations who, right. who need abortions and who need the care that uh i mean it's still it's still a fucking nightmare yes um, absolutely and those people is, are definitely needed and i don't want people to yeah. not support it but that but ruby yeah. Wade is getting so much attention because it, it is something that's so easy for white women to just pounce on and be yeah. like women <laughs> And use that as like a platform and they're not afraid to speak up. Right. Because they don't they don't lose power from it. They don't and there's no there's no work involved. We don't need to yeah. go learn about anything we, we all know yeah. because we certainly make sure to know about what concerns us. But like right. this will take you educating yourself and learning about something you maybe have never heard of. Mm-hmm. And it will take yes. work. But like, yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. It's so easy for us to be like, oh, women's rights. Yeah, but then we're like, hop on what we're not bandway, including yeah. is like women's rights only if it concerns white women. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, that I'm I'm struggling with a lot of, of white women, like speaking out uh, in support of Roe v. Wade, but not, you know, understanding that it's like the people who are really going to be affected are low income people, uh, people of color, yes. uh, indigenous transgender people, just, people. Yeah, transgender people. And yeah, just the, the abortion's cis- not, a, not women's rights. I mean, I, yeah, uh, that's the human other thing. rights, that's but I mean, thing. yeah, it's all, we, even when we <laughs> yeah. try to, to I know. support something, we still do a bad thing. Right no, now. I yeah. did too. I mean, I was also saying women's rights, but it's, it is like we, even when we try to, we still don't do a good job yes. because we don't know how, um, to not center ourselves and not be yes. include, we, we don't know how to be inclusive yeah. and we don't know how to do anything that where we're not the center of it. Um, and mm-hmm. do something. Stand the fuck up for an issue that you're not the center of. Please, uh, yeah. Use your privilege. Please mm-hmm. don't listen to me. I am not the voice <laughs> of this. Please go listen to indigenous people and help them for yes. God's sakes. And I'm sure there are some really great activists and leaders on social media. Like, Absolutely. I, yeah. I, I just wanted to talk about this. I just wanted to like, while um, it was being a topic of conversation and there are things going around right now that, that really need our help. Um yes. 
right now. So do mm-hmm. that. Do it. And I figured no misconnection this week, probably. Sure. Like, it feels good to me sure. just to not do that. Um, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with yeah. that, too. So I, I do want to say sources. Um, these are, are, some of these are, like, really great things. Some of these are just general news uh, sites. But, like, listen, if you don't, if you for some reason are like, I really don't know what to Google to find this, like, fucking DM me. I have such a long list of mm-hmm. things that will just put you in the right direction. And then there are tons more. And if you need more, I'll fucking find them for you. Let me know. Um, yeah, Friskyhistory at gmail.com. Email us and I will give you all the things I used. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. okay. So my sources, thank you for all this information. Um, Rudders.com, the law, uh, like Stanford Law, um, the uh, Native American Rights Fund, the National Library of Medicine, the Association of American India, Indian Affairs, and the National Indian Child Welfare Association, Vox, um, PBS, um, that like Don Land movie, I, they, I took their uh, description of the movie, I think, somewhere, Brookings.ed, uh, BoardingSchoolHealing.org, uh, Time, Cambridge, dot org uh, something called calendar dot eji dot org uh upstand upstander project dot org imprint news dot org uh the cwla dot org just for their about page that's a terrible organization don't need to go there right, but right. i'm gonna list it because it did take their about section <laughs> um washington post the law journal of so or the law journal for social justice dot com and that's it uh so okay um let's yeah. try to help and let's try to be less bad white people mm-hmm. uh and thanks for joining me yeah i'm sorry i'm sweating so much i, I got real it's, like uh, i get i get heated too it's uh really fucking frustrating and just uh, so anyways we definitely didn't just go off on another thing and <laughs> have a great day and goodbye yes great day go try text a thing yep see you later goodbye <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on the internet at facebook instagram and twitter our handle is at frisky history um you can also listen on soundcloud stitcher itunes google maybe has one anywhere podcasts are available uh you can direct your questions concerns feedback and weird sex stories to our email at friskyhistory at gmail.com yeah uh so bye (laughs) (laughs) fuck you terry